Association and IndieBirth.com. No material on this podcast should be considered medical advice. Birth is not a medical event. Welcome to IndieBirth's series of podcasts here on iTunes, Taking Back Birth. Marin here today talking about bringing my own babies to births and working as a midwife with young children. This is for anybody who's curious about how that works. Maybe you're thinking about becoming a midwife. Maybe you're a new midwife that hasn't done this part before. I don't know. I am in the late stages of pregnancy, so I thought now was a good time to think about this again and make changes and review how I've done this in the past. This podcast is also for my friend Angie, who recently birthed and who will be back at midwifery work in a couple of months with a young baby in tow. So I told her I would record this as means to share what is probably too much for your average conversation. So bringing your own baby to people's births and prenatal care, as we'll talk about, is something that is controversial in the midwifery world, in case you didn't know. So it's really frowned upon by some people, by some midwives, and my guess is those are midwives that haven't ever done it and possibly work in a different way than I do. So maybe that makes sense to them to think that Bringing your own baby is highly unprofessional, ridiculous, too much work, or any of the above. But as I'll share with you, I was blessed to not see that mode. I was blessed to see midwifery and mothering combined in a beautiful way in my apprenticeship. And I have been striving ever since to be as graceful. So I get that it doesn't work for everyone and not everything works for everyone anyway. So midwives that frown upon this, that's their choice. And there certainly are even women that wouldn't want a midwife who had her baby at a birth. And I'll share with you how that hasn't been my experience. But in any case, this is the topic. And to me, they are inseparable, meaning I'm a mother, I'm a midwife, and at least at this moment, uh, I'm not making a choice between those two. And in the 14 years that I've been involved in birth, I haven't really felt like I had to, frankly. And so I know that's a privilege and a luxury in many ways. And for that, I'm super grateful. So again, many people will decide to wait until their children are grown. Because as you'll hear, this podcast is a lot. It's a lot of thinking and planning and what ifs and really hoping it works out in a lot of ways. So some people just aren't into that. And that might be you. But again, for me, that's not the choice I've made. And I'm just looking to do the best I can for my kids, for my babies, and for these families. And, you know, again, planning and sharing with each other how we do this. I think is really important. So on this end, I have brought, let's see, how many of my kids, excuse me while I blow my nose a second, pregnancy and allergies go together for me. 
for some reason. Uh, anyway, I've brought six kids, I think that's right, to births and counting on bringing this little one. Um, being at the end of pregnancy, like I said, I was already thinking about this, so thanks Angie for the prompt, um, but I really cherish this end of pregnancy time, and anybody that's been in this place, I'm sure, knows what I mean, but I really cherish it in a different way than I used to because I do bring babies, my babies, to birth. And it took a couple bringing babies to births before I realized how precious this end of pregnancy time really is. You know, obviously the baby is still in utero and going to see people, prenatals, even births is about a hundred times easier now than it will be once the baby's here. So I feel more prepared for that because just that alone is true, at least for me. And I think the last two pregnancies, this sounds silly, but I literally have a photo of myself, probably on Instagram, um, of being in the car doing that last day of prenatal appointments pregnant, you know, knowing that birth is close and that this was my last time out for quite a while alone, you know, being able to use my hands and to not have to care for a baby on top of what is essentially working. It's the best work, but it's still sort of in that category. Um, so anyway, that's where I'm at. I'm really enjoying it. I'm very aware of the change that's about to happen. And of course, I'm super excited about birthing this baby and what comes after. But just being totally honest, it's way easier right now. And so hauling my big belly around can be hard. Uh, getting out of bed in the middle of the night kind of sucks. But again, it's way easier than hauling a baby out of bed in the middle of the night. So enjoy it is my best advice. I did think about maybe not attending any births after this baby was born. And I really left that up to the universe. So I basically said, hey, universe, I think it's time for me to take my postpartum a little bit more seriously. And I don't want to attend births of people I don't really love, uh, which is sort of a general rule anyway. And then secondary to that, I don't want to travel. So this last year, I've gone two to three hours in various directions for women that are amazing. Uh, but I'm just not available for that with this new baby. And so that's just what I've put out to the universe. And of course, uh, because the universe does listen, the couple people that I have so far do after me are literally within walking distance. And so I'm being very serious about that. I will not put this baby in a car for several hours, um, you know, unless, I don't know, I don't know what the unless is, I guess there's always the possibility that I could meet somebody that's just really the coolest that I want to serve. Uh, but I think having strong intentions is great. So I feel like I'm allowed to get back to these things because I really do enjoy going to births. And I'm allowed to, um, you know, take people on that I really like, but I don't want to go far. So there, set your intention when you're at your end of your pregnancy 
uh, rather than just kind of wandering into this unknowingly, especially if you've not brought a baby before, because I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's really hard. And if you're running all over the universe in all directions with a newborn, good luck. Uh, I've done it and it's hard. But anyway, you might be because maybe that's uh, where you are and you'll figure it out. So again, a little history. I experienced um, seeing the midwife that I worked with as an apprentice. I saw her bring her baby to a birth. Um, I think it was just her last baby that I was with her for, but I was with her through her own pregnancy and then the bringing of this baby to births. In fact, I think she brought her baby to one of my births. And then after my baby was born, and this was my third baby at the time, then I was welcome to bring my baby. And I think that's really kind of amazing. Um, I feel very blessed that the clients did not mind. And really, it was kind of just expected that I would not leave my baby home. Um, So, you know, I have to admit, I'm not quite as open at the moment with new students. And I won't go too much in depth since this isn't what this is about. But I feel like someone should have pretty decent apprenticeship experience. And I did um, back in the day before they bring a baby, because if you're bringing a baby as a student and you have no experience and you're really trying to learn, I'll say it's next to impossible or it's kind of a waste of time in a lot of ways. Um, So, you know, that's kind of weird saying that since I was, quote unquote, allowed to bring my baby. But I'm just saying I was an advanced student at the time and it wasn't easy, but I wouldn't entertain the thought for a current student of mine that had no experience. It just wouldn't work for me. Um, But yeah, I definitely would entertain it for somebody that's been at a lot of births, but that's not the current situation. So anyway, back to when I was a student, the clients were great. The midwife I worked with was great. Um, I can think of a couple of births where I brought my daughter where people really loved having her there. And I was surprised by that. I always felt, at least initially, that it was kind of a liability, you know, like a little stressful trying to keep your baby quiet, etc. But I have a friend I can recall, and this is almost 12 years ago, that still says, oh, I loved that you brought her. Um, I remember my baby making these like funny grunty, pushy sounds when this woman was pushing her baby out. So, you know, not for everybody, but, um, you know, even as recently as a couple summers ago when I was bringing Deva around, people were very into it. They said that it was highly encouraging to them to see a baby. You know, of course, they're not aware of kind of the stress that you're feeling or the juggling act that you're going through. But it's great acknowledgement that it's not a hindrance to many women that are birthing, which is the opposite of what you might think. Again, not for everybody. I think there's definitely a a type of person that would not do well with uh, someone else's baby during their labor there. But this has not been my experience. And the women that we've served both as a student and now as a midwife have been amazing and have made me able to experience this and to do it time and time again. So I did bring my babies as well to prenatal appointments when I was a student, and that was also encouraged. And I'll talk a little bit about that in a bit. Um, so a couple more tidbits that I have. 
I was talking already about setting intentions and being really conscious about the births you take on when you're pregnant, knowing, well, maybe you even do for when you're pregnant, right? Um, and like I said, it's hard getting out of bed in the middle of the night with a really huge belly and packing food and all this nonsense. And my days, at least in this pregnancy, of that are over. I did that earlier in the pregnancy, and I don't love that either, to be totally honest. Um, so be conscious about the births you take on once you know you're pregnant. And obviously, be open with the people you're working with. They need to know that, you know, if you want to work with me after whatever month it is that you're due, um, I will be bringing my baby. You know, is that okay? How do you feel about that? Again, I've never had anyone say no, but uh, I'm sure they're out there. So again, my rule this time, if there is one, is just to remain super close to home. And I'll probably talk more about why that's great, other than the obvious. Uh, The bottom line is, I don't necessarily know exactly how long I will want to rest after my own birth um, or recover, right? Recovery is different every time. So you want to be cautious about how soon after you birth, you take people on. Although I'm probably not the best example of that uh, because I have taken people on as soon as six weeks after I was Uh, after I had birth myself. And then I have to add that some of those babies, I can think of at least two, came earlier than expected for whatever reason. And so I've been at a birth three to four weeks postpartum. And that's really soon, although it worked out and it didn't really feel like it. Uh, But if I had known that was going to happen, I probably wouldn't have taken those women on because that just sounds really early. But in other words, birth is birth, right? So within reason, you're not going to attend a birth that's too early, but two weeks early can be normal for some people. So don't forget that weird things happen and you might be on call sooner than you think. The other thing to think about is when you are resting, whether you rest two weeks or three weeks or six weeks or whatever it is, these people aren't getting prenatal care probably unless you have some great backup system. And I do not. So that's always a little funny, but luckily I work with people generally that are okay with that and they're okay with maybe having just a phone call Or if I have a more advanced student, I can send them over just to kind of check in during my postpartum rest so that the the women that are pregnant still feel like someone is physically there for them. But it is something to think about, especially if you're working with a lot of first-time moms that take a lot of time and attention. Uh, If you're just like out of the game for six weeks before they birth, that can be a lot for them and for you. So prenatal appointments is usually where it starts after I have my baby is, you know, that first day of getting back into it all. And I generally do home visits. So unfortunately for my babies, that has meant car trips. Uh, Again, I'm keeping it close, so it shouldn't be a problem this time. But it's a certain amount of shuffle. Most of us who birth at home 
tend to not really put our babies in the car super early in life. Uh, so this could literally be one of the first times that your baby's in the car. And of course, if people will come to you, that's great. I know with my last baby, I did ask that of a couple people uh, to just come to me for that first appointment, just to give me a little bit extra time before I had to pack a baby up and that kind of thing. I have alternated over the years as far as how to do appointments. Maybe this is kind of boring, but maybe not if this is what you do too. So do you squish all the appointments together on one day so that you and your baby only have to be out of the house one day? Or do you stagger them so, you know, any number of things could happen if you're really close by to women, then you might, if you're like super lucky, even be able to leave your baby home for an hour, um, depending on how old the baby is. And even if you can't, then the baby's just out for an hour, which is generally, I think, better. Oh, but, you know, if you've got a couple of appointments that week, then you're out every day. And then that really wears on you. And you really have to be aware of your own healing and your own rest, even during this time. So any time in the first three months, or maybe it's six months, you know, for you. Uh, you know, you're not sleeping that great with a newborn, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So making these decisions as mindful as possible, I think is great advice. Uh, you really can't just get out there, I don't think willy nilly, and do a whole day of prenatals without thinking about the effect that that will have on you and your baby. And I've done it both ways. So, you know, you might have to try it out. But I remember specifically with my fifth baby, doing the all day prenatal thing. And she's the sweetest child. Uh, she's almost how old now? Uh, almost nine now. And she was a super easy baby. But let me tell you, on those days, <laughs> when she was expected to just stay out with me all day and get in the car and out of the car and in the car and out of the car, she was difficult. Uh, she was the most difficult that she ever has been in her whole life. And what I noticed with her is that she wouldn't sleep. So I think she got used to the literal shuffle of being in and out of the car. Um, and she would go the whole day without sleeping, which is insane for a newborn or really young infant. Um, so I don't even recall what I did, but I probably stopped doing those whole day things. It was really stressful. And by the time we got home at night, we were both just wrecks. You know, when you're overtired, especially a baby that's overtired. And it was unbelievable. Every time it happened, I thought, she can't stay up the whole day, like from nine to five or whatever. She can't. She's a newborn. But she would. So uh, in a case like that, I don't know, it might be better to do an appointment a couple times a week and uh, bring a helper. Now I have more helpers in my life so I can, you know, bribe <laughs> uh, a teenager to come along and hold a baby for an hour, you know, in the, in the living room while I meet with someone or whatever, um, which is another option. So anyway, just thinking about how you're going to structure prenatal appointments is something else. Uh, the birth is not even happening yet. Something else I've learned, um, being able to put your baby down is a gift and it's worth working towards. So uh, maybe you don't know what I mean by that. I am a full advocate of holding your baby as much as you can and wearing your baby and sleeping with your baby. So 
when I say put the baby down, I'm not saying, you know, cry it out or anything like that. I'm just saying with my kids, um, it's worked out by now, you know, having had eight of them, that I've kind of learned how to get them to sleep on their own at home, kind of, you know, in a, on my bed or whatever, when they're really young, without crying, and they'll sleep. So I can't tell you how we do that. I don't even know. My husband's probably a big part of it. But, you know, practice putting the baby down. So wearing a baby on you to sleep is hard when you're going to do birth work. Um, I feel like I have to be able to put my quiet baby down to sleep a lot when I'm working like this, especially at a long birth. Um, And so I don't have any more advice to say than that. But you know, in the postpartum time when you're when you're with your baby, just try that. Try putting your baby down. My babies have always loved their bellies to sleep on. And yeah, yeah, yeah. They say you're not supposed to do that, but it's something that actually works. Babies actually like to sleep that way. And so um, again, yeah, getting my baby used to, you know, I'm going to put you down and you're going to sleep now and you're not going to scream and you're going to be comfy and it's going to be great. And so that has enabled me with most of my kids and maybe I'm just lucky, I don't know, to bring them to prenatals when they're tiny with, let's say, you know, kind of the blanket that they're used to sleeping with at my house or something like that and putting them down in another room at the client's house. Um, That has worked amazingly well. So, you know, it's maybe kind of weird at first. You walk into the house with your baby and you're like, hey, uh, do you have a spare room I can put this baby down in? And I've never had anybody say no. And a high percentage of the time, I'll be able to put my tiny baby down on someone's bed to sleep while we do the prenatal. So that might sound too idealistic or you think I'm kidding or something because I know lots of people, um, you know, kind of in the way that people in our world treat their babies. uh, That's unheard of. You know, it's better to wear your baby or whatever. Yeah, it is. But it's also really great to have a baby you can put down. And I swear that it's a matter of teaching. So again, I'm I'm not saying training in some weird way where the baby is, you know, alone or um, abused. It's it's not that at all. But you have to practice it. You can't just go putting someone, putting a baby down at someone's house uh, and expecting them to allow that if it's not something they're used to. But practicing that at prenatals can be great. Um, <laughs> I can't even count all the number of beds my kids have slept on for prenatal appointments and or births. And it's funny now because like I think of my 10 year old and a house around the corner where, you know, I literally just plopped him on the couch for a couple of hours in the middle of the night. He slept while the baby was born. I picked him up. He never even woke up and brought him home. And so that's not pie in the sky. I swear it's possible because I've had many of my kids do it. So that's the ideal situation. Um, Another tip I have for prenatal appointments, uh, depending on your baby, of course, you'll know how to work this, but uh, gauge your baby's ability to even be put down on the floor. You know, babies that aren't complete newborns are usually fine with being set down for a little bit on a blanket. Neither is going to stare at the ceiling and all that kind of stuff. And so if your baby is 
in that active alert mood when you walk in the house, switch up your schedule. So by that, I mean, normally when I do prenatal appointments, we talk first. So we talk for a while. And then kind of at the end, it's more like, okay, are you wanting blood pressure today? Do you want to feel your baby? So the clinical skills where I actually do need my hands. So I'm saying just switch that around if your baby wants you to. Uh, that's been a technique too. So you get to someone's house, the baby has just slept in the car, thank goodness. And so your baby's pretty happy when you arrive. And so I usually, you know, don't mind saying to that woman, hey, do you mind if we do whatever clinical skills you want first? Um, that way, you know, you have your hands for when the baby gets fussy at the end of the appointment and just needs to be held. Uh, one of the final tips here in this section anyway is what I've already mentioned. If you have an older kid or, you know, maybe you can afford to hire a babysitter or maybe it's your apprentice. I certainly utilized Margot in this way for many uh, times in her early apprenticeship when she was really young and didn't have kids herself that she was the one. If the baby got fussy and I did need my hands, then she'd have to take the baby, my baby. Uh, many a time did Margot wear one of my kids in an ergo, which is really cool since we've known each other a long time now. And my kids are so big to think she carried them around as babies is really sweet. Um, so yeah, an ergo or some kind of carrier or a stroller if they're older, whatever. And your apprentice or your helper knows that they just leave. So, you know, that sucks as an apprentice. You're there for the experience of this prenatal, but you're also there to help the midwife. And sometimes that means just getting the baby out and it might be 15, 20 minutes, maybe getting them to sleep. And again, you know, these are all discussions you'll have with people you work with rather than just throwing your baby at someone. But they're good techniques and good strategies to plan for. So let's talk a little bit about births. The hardest part for me is getting a sleeping baby out of bed. I won't lie, especially in the winter, especially when they're all cozy and they're sleeping well, you actually have to lift a sleeping baby out of your bed into the car. And that's sort of horrible. Um, if they're young, of course, then you might want to nurse first. If you have time, nurse that baby first before you put them in the car so that they don't scream all the way to the birth. But you might not always have time for that. You, you know, you might have to go. So when I am bringing my own baby and I know I'm on call, obviously, then I have everything packed and I have a bag for the baby, you know, diapers, wipes, many changes of clothes just in case we're out for a few days. And that really stays in the car so that I never run out of things. And of course, all my other stuff is already packed because you don't want to be hauling all your stuff around and the baby. It's so easy to forget stuff. At the birth, of course, I mentioned having a carrier, many carriers, many different kinds. Um, I had a student once who brought like a pack and play for her sort of older baby. Honestly, I don't remember if that worked. Probably wouldn't work for my babies, but it might work for you to have, you know, a baby seat or whatever your baby likes. And I've had really awesome clients over the years. I can think of a couple people 
that, you know, they have their baby supplies, right, for their baby that's going to be born. And uh, often they're really okay with you using stuff too. So one of those little bouncy chairs or whatever, the the swings or the rockers, um, maybe those are things you think you wouldn't use or shouldn't use, but uh, in the moment of needing help, uh, they can be valuable. And again, having a place to lay a baby down when asleep. I can think of a birth a couple years ago where Deva really slept the whole night. It was honestly the best night's sleep she had had at that point in her life. I think she was about five months old and she slept better than she had ever. And I wasn't laying next to her because I was out with this woman in the other room uh, who was laboring all night having her first baby. So anyway, um, not that everybody has a guest room uh, or whatever, but you can usually even make a pretty cozy place for a baby to lay down that is kind of outside of the fray of the labor. Most births I have brought my own baby to, whatever baby it has been, they have slept right through, honest to goodness. So I couldn't be lying, because if I was, then I wouldn't keep doing this. Um, yes, it's stressful. Yes, it's juggling. But I've never had a situation, knock on wood, where it was impossible. Um, I really do trust that it will work out. I really do think my own babies know that they need to sleep or be quiet at the moment of birth. Um, if you have ever seen Margot's birth photos with Celosia, you may have noticed that Ever, at the time, who was only six months old, was just laying in the background. She wasn't sleeping. She was kind of playing. But I set her down and, you know, I was there to take photos and be with Margot at the moment of birth. And I knew my kid was fine. She couldn't roll or do anything. So, um, you know, sometimes you just have to trust on that and know that it will all be okay. I think having your own comfort, though, is key and your own confidence. And I understand how that takes time to develop as well. So if this is a new concept to you, bringing your own baby to a birth, just try your best to relax into it and release your own tension and catch yourself being tense and being tight and being worried and, you know, willing your baby not to cry or willing your baby to sleep. Any of those things are usually counterproductive. So... Yeah, again, I mean, it's hard to really say how to do it, but just trusting and again, being relaxed, knowing you have help, um, knowing that, you know, worst case scenario, if your baby starts screaming his head off or something at the moment of this lady's birth, that you have a student to take the baby out of the room. You know, that's worst case scenario, really. And that's never happened. So just trusting and being comfortable and knowing that it's all okay. And really, when someone is in the throes of labor and or actually birthing, they're pretty immune to a lot of things. So, you know, you don't want to ruin, quote unquote, ruin anyone's birth, right, with your screaming baby or whatever it is. Um, but chances are, you're not going to. And uh, the woman isn't really even going to register any of that. What she could register, though, I suppose, is just that you're feeling tense and uncomfortable and stressed. And so that would not be good. So just relax. Know that it'll be okay. Uh, if you can, you know, if you have to have your baby strapped on you 
while you literally watch someone birth or, you know, have your hands to help receive a baby. It's been done before. It'll be done again. And it's all okay. I have at least a couple birth photos of myself, uh, probably with Deva, where, you know, I'm not I'm not catching a baby because I rarely do that. But, you know, literally this woman is birthing and I'm holding my own baby, uh, you know, with a safe place to put her down if I needed to do something urgent. Of course, you kind of have that in the back of your mind. But it's so rare. I did have an apprentice once a long time ago that could nurse my baby. Oh my gosh, that was amazing. Her baby was older. She didn't need to bring her baby to the birth, but she could nurse my baby. Oh my gosh, best thing ever. She could get my baby to sleep. She could hold her. She could do whatever. So there's all kinds of creative ways that women can help women and serve women together. And that's really cool to think about. Uh, let's see the hardest births I've been at with my own baby have been in small spaces. I can think of a couple that were apartment type births and there really was nowhere to put my baby down, especially that was quiet. Well, you make do and usually babies will sleep when they're tired. Of course, I said how my one daughter didn't on prenatal days, but that was in and out of a car seat. Usually with young babies, they'll fall asleep nursing, right? Or, you know, eventually if you're at a birth for a day and a half, they're going to have to sleep. So, you know, you can scope out a place ahead of time. I've done that too. Like I've said, uh, ask people, hey, is it okay if I kind of use this room when you're in labor for my baby? Or I've had people, you know, nicely blow up mattresses or get a bed ready for me to use. So just be honest. Uh, People are usually pretty happy to help, especially if they're happy to have you help and be there. So at the birth, or I think probably after, you really do learn to work more quickly. So again, I really relish right now, not having a baby in my arms, although I'm looking forward to that. Um, But for the sake of this conversation, It's nice to just be relaxed, of course, right? So this other woman has her baby. It's glorious. It's beautiful. You actually have hands to take photos, uh, which is another thing you don't so much have hands for when you're holding your own baby. Uh, But then after that, it's relaxed, right? You're making her food. You're leisurely cleaning up. At least that's how I like to be at a birth. I like to not be super rushed. Um, I like to feel like I'm just hanging out within reason and not like I'm running out on these people. But with your own baby, you learn to kind of speed the process a little bit. And uh, in the end, you may not really have sped the process because you might have to sit down after the other lady had her baby and just sit with your baby, you know, just spend some time with your baby. Um, You know, sit on the couch with this other woman that's just birthed and just nurse together. Uh, or sit in the other room if the family needs some space and just be with your baby. Just talk to her or him and, you know, say, that's that was a lot, huh? Like, I know I didn't pay 100% attention to you every minute. And so here I am and let's nurse and let's change your diaper and let's just be happy together before we have to finish this job up. And then we can go home and get in bed, yay. Um, So again, it's not saving time to take that time, but it's just sort of the balance of it, you know, work faster, but then also just sit and be 
mindful of what your baby's also been through and take that time rather than rush, 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 get the baby in the car seat, get home. Uh, Sometimes that's the best way and you'll know when it is, but taking that break after birth feels really good too. And often, you know, you're just more relaxed at that point. Baby's out, placenta's out. uh, You can sit and just enjoy your own baby. Uh, Maybe put the baby down to play for a few minutes and quickly do what you got to do. And let's see. Yeah, I'm just looking at my notes and some of them are redundant. I do think this is a different form of midwifery, as I mentioned, than is being practiced in many places, but that goes for a lot of the work that I do, that we do. Uh, It's different in general. There definitely is this thought of caring for two people. I won't lie, right? You've got this woman who you've agreed to care for, and then you have your baby. So what do you do in some moments, right? And I'm hoping that some of the suggestions have helped because, of course, you want this woman to still feel completely cared for, uh, but you don't want your baby to be neglected either. And so really, the heaviest weight does fall on you so that those things don't happen. Um, Let's see. Is it worth it? Hmm. Well, only you can decide how much you need or want to get back to births after a baby, at what age, uh, the baby's age, I mean. And honestly, for me, it's been easier to just do with a really young baby and then phase out by about, you know, nine, 10 months, especially if I'm close by. Baby's eating food at that point, at least my kids are, and I can leave for a couple of hours. I could pump. Uh, I don't really like to pump, but my husband could also bring the baby to nurse or I could run home if the birth is closed. So you end up with way more creative options by the time eight to nine to 10 months have passed, which really, you know, is so quick too. So it can seem really long when you're bringing a newborn around, but it also goes super fast. And I know for me, that first time I do leave my baby to go to a birth is also super sad um, and hard in a different way. Yes, it's easier on the hands, but not on the brain. Uh, You know, your brain is with your baby in a lot of ways and worrying about what she's doing and does she need to nurse? And, uh, you know, I have a couple photos of me last winter squeezing breast milk uh, out of my own breasts into people's showers and sinks, which sounds funny, but it was really hard and I probably cried. Um, So it's not easy to leave and it's not easy to bring them. So is it worth it? Only you can decide. It's hard work, but uh, for me, it has been worth it. And there really haven't been too many downsides, to be honest. Um, The one downside I can think of is, you know, if you do need to transport a woman in labor or after birth, um, you know, you'll have your baby. And that is something I've been not as willing to do with my babies. Uh, Transport in general is kind of a touchy subject. And it really depends on the politics and that kind of thing if midwives go at all. But Many hospitals, and this is true for the ones here, in the winter don't even allow uh, babies into the hospital. 
um, you know, for fear of whatever, the babies being sick, I guess, or or whatever. So I'm just saying that in some places at some times of year, it's literally impossible to bring your baby to a hospital anyway. And it's kind of gross, to be honest. Uh, I have done it. And it's gross. I don't want my baby at a hospital. Although sometimes it's just been the way it's worked out. So, um, you know, that's just another issue to think about how you would handle if you were toting around your own baby and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, but again, by the time my babies are about, you know, like I said, nine, 10 months, definitely by a year, I am not bringing babies anymore. My rule, and this was kind of the rule that the woman I worked with had, and I liked it, was once a baby becomes mobile, once they're really crawling around and pulling things down off shelves and, you know, climbing on the tables, no, it's a no-go. And for my kids, that has meant they're already eating food. So that might not be true for everybody's kids, but mine tend to do those things later than perhaps some babies. I mean, if you have a baby crawling and doing that kind of stuff at six months, that's hard. I have not been in that situation. But if it's kind of more of an average age of a little bit later, then for me, yeah, no, that's been impossible. I mean, you can't chase your kid around someone's house, I don't think, during labor. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, how it is to bring a baby to a conference or a workshop. And I know for us here at Indie Birth, we're pretty strict about that. Um, you know, we don't want women even learning with babies and toddlers running circles around them and screaming and all that. We just feel like that's the limit <laughs> of what we can handle and what sort of anybody can handle. Um, so that's been my own limit. Anybody that's mobile is clearly better at home where they can be supervised better. And again, um, the sacrifice comes on our end, really. Not to say that babies and kids aren't sacrificing. I've always figured that, yes, it's hard for them, but a baby would rather be with his mom than left home, especially early, right? Leaving a newborn, leaving an infant is just not an option for me. So I figure if the baby's with me and can nurse whenever, then that's a pretty good life for a baby. And some people, you know, go back to a full-time job um, at four weeks or six weeks. So really in the scope of life and possibilities, I feel like this isn't that bad. Um, and so maybe that's not the best attitude, you know, just the comparison. But that's sometimes how I rationalize it when it's hard is like, this is my life. And my baby was born into this. And it'll be fine. And, you know, if it's not, then I'll figure out a new solution. But for these couple months, it's manageable. It'll be hard work, but it'll be worth it. And the people around me will be supportive. And I'll have the help I need. And I'll ask for the help I need and all of that stuff. Um, but I will persevere. And I won't do it at the expense of myself, of course. But again, I, that comes back to, as we've already gone through the intention and the planning. So don't overbook yourself, you know, don't take on 10 births in a month with a baby. Uh, or at least don't ask me for advice, because I don't have any, because I've never done that. You really do have to respect your own body. I can remember a long time ago, um, getting mastitis out at a birth, you know, when I had my baby even. And that sucked. You know, it was just I was run down. And 
I needed to be in home at home in bed with my baby. So don't stretch yourself too thin. Life, you know, is short, but life hopefully is also long. And the career of a midwife hopefully is long. And if you end up doing less or feeling like you're doing less over these years of birthing yourself, then I say, so be it. Because you can still be um, a really awesome midwife and, you know, really make a difference for the couple of women, even a year that you're able to serve within your boundaries. And I'll just finish this little lecture by saying that I think it's important to consider that how you're living your life with your baby is also a huge influence for the women that you do serve. So by that, I mean, you're showing them that motherhood and our passions aren't exclusive. And I think that's a really cool lesson for women to see whether or not they emulate that or agree with that, but they can see it. Oh, you know, look at so and so. Um, she's not superwoman. That's not what the impression we're trying to give. Um, but she is able to balance what she loves with raising kids. And isn't that cool? And, you know, is that something I could figure out how to do with the right support? Um, and yeah, just if we're going to teach women about undisturbed birth and how that really affects their mothering and their bonding and attachment, then it would really, I think, be hypocritical in a lot of ways to leave our babies home when they weren't ready to be left. And that is very important. And I want women to know that whether they're student midwives or doulas or, you know, whatever, that it is possible if they want it to be, um, that they don't have to wait until their grannies to be a midwife, unless that's really what works for them. So I think that's kind of where I'll end it. Uh, it's a highly influential place to be, I think, if done well. And again, the goal isn't to impress anyone with all your skills of balancing these things, but to be graceful in them so that your own life flows and you feel happy and fulfilled in all the ways, not just one. So thanks for listening. You can always check out the IndieBirth.org site for new information. IndieBirthMidwiferySchool.org is enrolling for July 2019. And other than that, I'd always love to hear from you by email. You can get me at Marin at IndieBirth.org. Have a great day.